1: Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Absolute sports betting degeneracy.
2: Welcome to the zoo with Sex Panther (coughs) and Chubby Chubby Zebra. Night and it's time for the zoo. More college football. I'm glad it's over. I gotta be honest. I'm glad it's over. When the week I have a good week, I take my victory laps. When I have bad, I mean I I'm tell you I'm bad right now. I'm bad. Beginning of the season, Chubby Zebra was absolutely horrid. But I gotta pause here and give Chubby Zebra a time. I mean, this isn't a victory lap. This is a victory relay race. About. Four laps. Chubby zebra, you made up hella ground.
0: You know, this is one of those, you know, tortoise and the hare where the the panther got out with the hare and and ran the race really fast and got out there way ahead. And the zebra was back with the tortoise, just kind of moseying along, feeling things out. And next thing you know, the the panther and hare take a break, kind of start falling back to the pack. The zebra and tortoise
2: slow and steady. We won the race. You won the race pulling away. Uh, what what did you say the beginning of the season was something like eight and seventeen?
0: The first five weeks I was eight and seventeen and and got some advice from a from a couple buddies of mine that said, you know what, stay positive, stay focused, don't dwell on the negatives, don't even talk about it. Just keep firing and you'll be all right. So kudos, hats off to Ironhead and Frank for that advice. And um Look forward to the bowl season.
2: Yeah, we take we take those first five weeks out of the equation. And you were, you were batting like close to seventy percent, which in the world of sports betting is absolutely unreal. To go from minus nine, right eight and seventeen, you were nine games under. You finish the season. Now we factor in. Uh, we we reset. We did our uh, preseason season totals. Uh, you went four and two there, so that got you to two games over five hundred at the end of the season. That is quite the rally. Uh, you've you've been doing the sports betting thing way longer than I have. That seventy percent or dang near is quite quite an impressive number.
0: Unfortunately, it wasn't a great amount of plays but you know what we'll take the 70 percent. we've got a small loss when you factor in juice but you know we got these conference title games and bowl games to go and we're feeling pretty good about ourselves so uh 36 34 and 1 we will take it at this point after that rough start
2: all right well you mentioned it. we got conference championships this week we're looking at uh quite a few games we're gonna start we're gonna go basically go in chronological order here Friday night, the Conference USA Championship, the North Texas Mean Green going to take on one of my favorites this season, the San Antonio Roadrunners, UTSA Roadrunners. You know, UTSA has really only been a Division I program for, I don't even know if it's been five years. They haven't been around very long at all. Uh, this season with 8-0 in the conference, 10-2 overall. Uh, Quite an offensive juggernaut on the offensive side, nearly 38 points per game. Defense leaves a little bit to desire. These two teams played back on October 22nd, and North Texas stayed within four points of them. So this, this is a pretty even game statistically. Both teams can score. Both teams' defense give up really a ton of points if you really think about it. Uh, Vegas kind of agrees, got this 69 and a half on the total. Wouldn't be surprised if we get close there. But the way that San Antonio has been playing, particularly against Louisiana Tech and Rice, their defense showed up, held them to seven points in each one of those games. They've shown flashes of the defense being able to show up. I know it's Rice. Everybody cooks Rice. But, um, I just think in this game where there's so much at stake, particularly for the Roadrunners as far as bowl game seating and where they go an 11 and two record should get them a very nice bowl. I think they come in focused. I'm eating some points here. There's, there's going to be a theme to today, um, but eight and a half, I'm going to eat them. Don't feel great about it, but I'm going to put my money on the Roadrunners.
0: You know, this was a game that I looked at. Um, This is one of those conference championship games where it is played on campus. So this one is going to be at um, Texas, San Antonio. But I kind of started looking at, you know, what happened the last game. Actually, UTSA scored with 15 seconds to go to win that game. And then I started looking at conference championship trends. Now, trends are just that. They're just trends. And true home road underdogs since uh, 2005. Uh, the road, the underdog is 24 and 14. That's a 63% clip. Unranked underdogs versus ranked teams, which we have a situation here, 14 and six, which is a 70 point, 70% clip. And dogs that have failed to cover in multiple games in a row heading into their conference championship, which North Texas is situation, 19 and four, 82.6%. So right there, those trends just in the fact that uh, that UTSA scored with you know, 15 seconds to go to, to win that first game uh, looked really easy to me. I thought it was pretty simple with what the records look like. did a little more diving in and scared me off of this one. I've got to lean on North Texas just because of all those trends.
2: All those trends and all those points um, should be an exciting game. I really actually look forward to a lot of these mid-major games. Uh, we got another one we're going to talk about here in a little bit, but uh, that's my play there. Next game up, this is the big one on Friday night. Utah taking on USC for the Pac-12 championship. USC is 11-1, 8-1 and in conference. That one conference loss was to these very Utah Utes a lot at stake for the Trojans? Zebra, what's your take?
0: This is a rematch of one of the best college football games this season. It all season. Uh, it was played late at night, so I don't know how many people actually saw it. But uh, out there in Utah, it was very uh, emotional game for Utah after having you know uh, honoring a couple fallen teammates that they've had. Uh, Going to be a great one to watch. And I'm glad that they're putting this in prime time and not a late night thing. So for, the weekend's going to start off really well. Caleb Williams, he's all but, you know, received the Heisman Trophy and he's been a leading, you know, being leading an offense all season. That's one of the best in the country. Averages 7.1 yards per play in the game back in the Earlier this season, USC amassed an impressive 556 yards of offense, and they averaged over eight yards per play. That being said, it's going to be a bit more difficult this time around with USC not having running back Travis Dye. Although Austin Jones, he's filled in very nicely the last two weeks with over 100 yards in each game. Williams attempted 42 passes against Utah earlier this year and threw for 9.1 yards per attempt. However, he was pressured 19 times, and that's the most all season. Utah's secondary, it's one of the best in the nation, uh, being ranked in the top 20, and it should be a little better prepared this time around. The biggest key in this matchup is USC's defense, which, for lack of a better word, has been horrific. Utah's offense did whatever they wanted to in the first game, throwing for over 400 yards and 9.4 yards per attempt. They rank in the top 10 in passing and rushing success rate, so they're going to have options on how to attack the Trojans Friday night. Utah's offense, they must avoid turnovers, which has been the only positive for USC defense. They do that, the people in Columbus, Ohio, are going to be celebrating late Friday night. I'm taking Utah plus the two and a half, but I say they're going to win the football game.
2: Holy crap. It's two times in one season. you know I'm looking at the recency here in Utah in their last five games – only really played one quality opponent. That was the Oregon Ducks uh, in Oregon, and they lost that game by three points. They, they beat up on Colorado, whoopee, Stanford, whoopee, Arizona, whoopie. They didn't beat anybody. USC's coming into this game pretty challenged, fresh off of two back-to-back intense rivalries against UCLA, high-scoring affair, 48-45, to and then against uh, Notre Dame just last week, where, look, they, they have their way with what we kind of presume – is a pretty good fighting Irish defense, and they still mustered 38 points. This USC Trojan offense, particularly behind Caleb Williams here, I'm starting to wonder, is Lincoln Lincoln Riley, is he a quarterback whisperer? This could very well be his third Heisman Trophy winner under his tutelage. Um, You got to love what you're seeing out of this Trojan offense. Yeah, the defense has got holes. Yeah, they give up a lot of yards and a ton of points, but... I just need them to win by three. There's so much at stake here. I'm banking on USC winning this game. I'm just need them to cover that three points. So I'm laying the three and taking the Trojans. Next game up, we're moving to Saturday. It's going to be a full slate. I think just snow and have a blizzard. We'll all just stay in and watch football. And it's going to start at noon Eastern time. Kansas State versus TCU again. Another team with everything on the line, TCU Horn Frogs. This is basically a playoff game, right?
0: Some say yes, some say no. Some think TCU's locked in even with a loss, some some say not. So who knows? I'm not a committee member, although I probably should be. Um, Another rematch situation Kansas State's offense has been outstanding late this season, despite Adrian Martinez being out with a leg injury the last three games. They've scored at least 47 points in three of the last five, and they've averaged 40.2 during that span. Deuce Vaughn ranks third in the conference with 1,295 yards and scored seven touchdowns. Quarterback Will Howard is not your average backup quarterback. He's completed 62.9% of his passes for 1,224 yards and 13 touchdowns. On the other side of the ball, K-State's defense has been a nice complement to the high-powered offense, giving up just 19.4 points per game. As for TCU, believe it or not, Max Dugan lost his starting job in the preseason. Now he's going to be the Heisman runner-up. So it's getting it back. He's been phenomenal. Over 3,000 yards passing, 29 touchdowns, leading the conference, and he's thrown only three interceptions. Kendra Miller leads a solid ground game with – 1260 yards and 16 touchdowns and Quentin Johnson although he missed last week's game is expected to play to make TC's offense even better. In the first meeting, TCU rallied from down 28 to 10 in the first half to beat K-State, setting the stage for this for their possible, I say possible, inclusion in the BCS playoff. K-State they're playing as well as anyone in the country right now on both sides of the ball and this one should be a great game to watch. So stay up late and watch the Pac-12 on Friday night, and then get up early and watch this one on Saturday at noon. So after Utah shakes things up Friday night by beating USC, Kansas State's going to make a complete mess of the third and fourth spot in this thing. Kansas State, plus the two and a half, but once again, I'm calling for the outright upset.
2: Oh man, this is crazy. Well, here's the good news. One of us is going to win, and one of us is going to lose. I Maybe I put too much on the teams that have so much to lose, but maybe and then maybe they cave under pressure. But TCU has answered the call, and what I would say has been one of the more tougher schedules that we've seen. They've been tested week in and week out. The Big 12 up and down has been an incredibly competitive conference. I know they get beat up year in and year out because everybody ends up around nine and three, but. You know, they beat each other up and TCU answered the call every single time. They've been challenged in close games. They've blown teams out. They've been there each time. You're right. The first time these two paired up, excellent, excellent game. I think it happens again, but close, not in eh, Texas, Christian, but, you know, it's in Arlington. It's at Jerry's World. Uh, I expect the Horn Frogs to win the game and cover the two and a half, just a field goal guys, just a field goal. I just need a field goal. So uh, I'll lay the two and a half points and put my money on the Horn Frogs. Next game up. This is the mid major. We were talking about coastal Carolina going to take on Troy. This is going to be in Troy, Alabama, in case you guys didn't know where Troy was. Uh, Okay. So last week I took coastal Carolina against James Madison and, to say that didn't fare well, it's a little bit of an understatement. Um, I wasn't quite aware of the McCall injury and not playing, and this time I am aware of it. And Coastal Carolina, the uh wins above replacement without McCall at quarterback seems to be quite significant. Their offense took an absolute dump without him calling the shots. And you know, I, I can't say that James, man, James is not a bad team, they were ranked at one point, but to say they're 40 points better than Coastal Carolina, no, they're not. Um, for Coastal Carolina to rebound after that shellacking, I just don't know if, if McCall was that big of a difference. Troy has been on a roll, particularly the defensive side of the ball. They haven't given up more than 19 points in their last five games, 16.8 on the season. So you you take Coastal Carolina's – offensive inefficiency without McCullough quarterback and Troy's damn near elite defense. I think Troy at home is going to take care of business. I hate that one and a half. I wish it was more like seven points, but it's eight and a half. Vegas kind of knows what they're doing more chalk for Panther lay the eight and a half. Put my money on Troy.
0: You know, Coastal Carolina gets to play for a conference championship because James Madison, who they lost to by 40 last week, is ineligible. So let me get this straight James Madison takes a step up in competition from 1AA to 1A, and they can't compete for a conference title because they are required by the NCAA to undergo a two year transition period in which they're ineligible for postseason play. This kind of reminds me of Bellarmine last year in college basketball, when they won the Atlantic Sun Conference Tournament, but they were ineligible for the NCAA Tournament, and there for four years. Why? Because they moved up in competition from Division II to Division I. Yet, the NCAA lets a male swimmer, quote, transition into, quote, a woman, and compete against lesser competition in the NCAA swim meet. Well done, NCAA, you idiots. All right, now back to this game. Coastal Carolina, they're going to be without Grayson McCall, just like they were last week, and they looked lost. Now they have to travel to Troy to take on one of the nation's stingiest defenses. Now they do have a pair of running backs that combine for over 1,000 yards, but Troy is going to stuff them just daring the chancellors to pass. Troy, they're one of the best group of five teams, and if not for a miracle TD by App State, They'd be a one-loss team against, with that loss being to Mississippi and be in the conversation for the group of five spot in in the big bowl games. Last seven weeks, Troy's given up 10, 14, 6, 17, 9, 16, and 19 points. Coastal Carolina, they're going to struggle to get to the teens. Lay the points, take Troy for a big win.
2: Finally some agreement, but you didn't bet it. You didn't bet this game. Why aren't you on this game, Zebra? No, I am on this game. This oh, you are definitely
0: on this game. Oh yeah, take Troy and lay the points.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, so uh, that brings us to the break. This is where Max is going to get in here and I don't know, tell you about the book club or see what the local advertisers think of you guys. So Max, let's give him a break. and we're back we got the mid-major stuff out of the way it's time for some prime time big boy football we start in the sec with the defending well i guess they're not defending they'll always be the champs reigning national champion georgia bulldogs with the lsu tigers and coming to town not listen first of all i gotta get this off my chest i owe brian kelly an apology i thought first year in the sec west you know that vegas had the total set of seven i'm like ah there's no freaking way he, he didn't get his recruits in there he had a transfer from arizona state at quarterback like he'll be lucky to win six games nine games and then you know a couple absolute dog shit laid eggs I don't know what the hell he was doing but nine wins on the sec west beating alabama i brian kelly i sincerely apologize i'm sure you don't listen to the show but uh kudos to you and now you get some recruits in there um, this year and um yeah lsu's got them bayou tigers going the right direction but now now step up in class taking on the georgia bulldogs who just kind of rolled through the season they weren't really tested by anybody once again somehow the sec doesn't manage to put georgia and alabama up against each other the They did play Tennessee and beat them by two touchdowns. Um, But largely, the Bulldogs went relatively unchallenged. Um, The defense, (laughs) here's the funny thing. Their defense, not near as good as last year, and yet only gave up 11.3 points per game this year. Offense can score pretty much at will anytime they want. And at 38 points per game, I think they actually left a lot of points on the field by maybe not running up the score or running the ball when they were up big, which happened quite a bit. LSU. I know. I really don't know what to make. This team shows up. They beat Alabama. They beat Ole Miss. Um, And then they just absolutely go flat against Texas A&M. Absolute no show against the Tennessee volunteers. Like you almost don't know what to expect from this tiger team. If they're going to show up, and keep this competitive, or if they're just going to be completely intimidated and get blown out. I'm banking on the latter. I'm banking on Georgia to just tell Brian Kelly, you know, welcome to the SEC. We're the champs, and uh, this is who you're recruiting against. Georgia wants to hold on to that one seed, get the favorable matchup. If there is such a thing, playing the four seed going into the playoffs, ton of points, ton of points, 17 and a half. But I think Georgia just blows the Tigers out of the water here. I'm taking Georgia minus a a 17-and-a-half for one unit.
0: You need to get some water, get some of that chalk out of your mouth. you got a lot. You're eating a lot of it this week. You know, Georgia – you're right. The The defense, not as good as last year's, but still holding people down. They were tested once earlier this year when they were down 10 at Missouri at half. And actually, Missouri kicking a field goal early in the fourth quarter and put them down 10 again. But they, they weathered that storm. Um, had a weak offensive performance a couple weeks ago at Kentucky. But they seem to do whatever they feel like. I mean, they're in control at, at all times. LSU, on the other hand, I don't. You don't know what you're getting from week to week. I mean, it's like the cracker jack box. What's going to be my prize? Uh, you don't know. That's why I'm staying off of this game. But, I mean, if I had to play it based on what I've seen in the past from 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 Georgia, I don't. I don't know if they're going to lay it all on the line. I think they're they're in the playoff. They're not. They're going to be very vanilla. They're not going to show much. They don't want injuries this is one of those situations where I think they can sleepwalk through this game and win it easily still be the one seed, but even if they lose, they're going to fall no further than the two, three game, which would put them, you know, against who knows when I say Utah and K-State are going to win games. I don't know what the situation would be. That's kind of the chaos I'm looking for. I've got to lean on LSU just for the simple fact that I, don't think this is the game that George is motivated in. If you look back at the SEC national champions, quite frequently they lose this game. I don't think George is going to lose, but I don't know if they're going to absolutely roll LSU. So I've got to lean on the Tigers.
2: All right. That'll take care of that late afternoon game. Now we get into the late, late or primetime games starting off with the big 10. This is our neck of the woods. I mean, Indiana Hoosiers were never in it. Um, but somehow the Purdue Boilermakers backdoor their way into the big 10 championship, taking on that team up North from Ann Arbor. They'll play this game in Indianapolis, Lucas oil stadium. You're on this game. Let's get your take.
0: You know, this is your rival versus my rival, uh, being an IU grad Purdue's obviously our rival. Um, You know, you being an Ohio State uh, attendee slash graduate, um, what you like to call that team up north is going to be the rival. I don't know how I can talk about this game without actually identifying them as Michigan. And Michigan comes in off its second straight victory over those four mentioned Buckeyes and now looks for their second straight Big Ten championship. That's really got to hurt for you to hear that. This game... Last the game last week was was actually a bit closer than the twenty point score indicates. Uh, Michigan ran off a couple big touchdown runs when Ohio State was playing cover zero, and as soon as the running back got outside, he was gone. Nobody was catching him. Uh, But Michigan piled up over five hundred yards of offense and eight point eight yards per play. That offense, um, you know, is suffered with with a loss to Blake Blake Corum, who's not going to play. Actually, he's not going to play in their. the the bulls championship either he's out with a season-ending surgery but donovan edwards good grief he said you know no big deal i got this and went for 216 and two touchdowns last week helping helping michigan get back to lucas oil stadium purdue they have a top 30 run defense so the wolverines might find running a little more difficult but jj mccartney He's been spectacular at quarterback. In fact, he had last year's starting quarterback in a transfer portal now. Guy's averaging 8.2 yards per attempt, 16 touchdowns and only two interceptions. And Purdue's secondary, it's regularly torched and consistently giving up big plays. Look for Michigan to air it out in this game and McCartney to be a star. On the other side of the ball, on the other side of the field is quarterback Aiden O'Connell, who's been at Purdue since, I believe, the turn of the century. He's been extremely inconsistent this year, however, has led the Boilers to their first ever Big Ten West title. That's not saying much, but, you know, you get to play in this game. It's not good news when for him facing a top-10 secondary. Purdue's going to attempt to keep the game close by feeding Devin Ma-Maco B but his offensive line is going to be completely overmatched against the defense front of Michigan. Find something else to do on Saturday night. Instead of watching this one, Michigan rolls into the BCS playoffs. I'm taking the chalk lay in Michigan in the 16 and a half.
2: Holy crap. Zebras eating chalk. I listen I can't say the M word, just yeah, I, my, my heart skipped a beat and I cringed. My blood pressure went up every time you said it, it just something about that word. But listen, everything I said about them this season, they're relatively untested. Their big noteworthy win was beating Penn state, but I got to be honest that victory last week and then doing it two years in a row went into the horseshoe. Yeah, it looks worse, but I mean, you are what the score, and what your record says you are. And, This Wolverine team is pretty damn good. The thing that stands out to me is the rushing yards allowed by that defense, just under 85 yards per game. I don't know how Purdue is supposed to run on that, and if they can't run against the Wolverines, then O'Connell's going to have to throw, and he threw 11 interceptions this season you're just falling right into the trap of what is that Wolverine defense yeah their offense can score they get up to 40 points per game but man if you're Purdue and you can't keep that offense off the field and get the ball you know down the field and control the time of possession run the ball and score points you've got to score touchdowns not field goals not turn it over there's just so many things that Purdue can't do to for them to even keep it close. I just, I have to agree with Zebra here. I think this is an absolute massacre. Um, God, it pains me to say it, but I'm laying the, you found 16 and a half somewhere. I'm seeing 17, but uh, yeah, I'm laying the points on that team up North. Last game up for me. You're not on this one, but I'll definitely get your opinion on it. Clemson taking on the North Carolina Tar Heels and got to be honest, probably shouldn't be on this game. North Carolina has kind of been my darling this season. You know, when they lost to Notre Dame, I thought that was a huge, huge chalk win for Notre Dame. A little, little check mark in the box there. But now they've lost two straight to Georgia Tech and NC State, scoring 17 and 27 in those two games. This is a team that was scoring 37, nearly 40 points per game leading up to that. Now all of a sudden, a team that has—it's not even arguable—maybe the worst defense. Apologies to the Colorado Buffaloes uh, in the in the entire college football. Now their offense doesn't want to do their job and bail out the defense. I'm I'm a little scared going against a Clemson team that offensively got right after that Notre Dame game. They put up 31, 40, and 30, even though it was in a loss. The offense has been putting up some points. I think Clemson probably does win this, but I'm expecting, I'm hoping, North Carolina at least shows up and makes it a game. I don't think Clemson is really that good, and we've seen that with the two losses this year. I'd love to see Clemson take a third loss and just send them to a mediocre bowl game. Uh, So I'm going to take the points. It's more about the points, not necessarily the win. Give me the seven and a half and put it on Drake May and those Tar Heels.
0: You know, if North Carolina's offense shows up like it's been all season, you're probably in pretty good shape with that. Clemson is not the defense they had during the Trevor Lawrence days. Um, they they just give up points in bunches. I mean, 35 to Notre Dame, 31 to South Carolina, 21 to Syracuse, 28 to Florida State, 20 to NC State. They, they give them up. So if North Carolina gets their offense together, which hasn't been too impressive the last two weeks, this should be a game that, that you see a lot of points because uh, North Carolina can't stop anyone either. And when you have situations like that where both teams can't stop it and can score it, you know, taking a touchdown plus is probably the smart move. So I'm with you. I'm laying the – or I'm leaning uh, North Carolina.
2: All right. Before we get out of here, just some, just some closing thoughts here. So it was announced today – That uh, we're going in 2024-25 season, we're going to 12 teams for the playoffs. Does that make these games irrelevant? The games like TCU loses, nobody cares. Georgia loses, nobody cares. The Wolverines lose, nobody cares. Does that really take away from the conference championship, Zebra?
0: Uh, Absolutely. Uh, I think whoever you know, teams like like that you just mentioned are going to be in. I mean, if you look at just this year, I mean, you're got you're going down to you know, a team is like Washington getting in. Nobody's even talking about Washington. Uh, Penn state's in, you know, teams that aren't even in conference championship games, Alabama, they're in are going to be in 12 to me. Seems like a bit too much. I was a proponent of eight. Let's do eight, but you know, get given that top four, a buy and bringing 12 in. I just, Think is a bit too much, Um, but yeah, these things are going to be rendered meaningless unless the team that's outside the top twelve, you know, LSU, barely outside the top twelve, you know, somebody like that gets a conference championship win. Purdue, but as you can see, they're seventeen point underdogs. That's probably not going to happen. So.
2: They get automatic bursts. I, I didn't read up on the details. So if, if Purdue were to knock off the Wolverines, is Purdue in the tournament?
0: The way I understand it is the Power Five champions are in. Uh, and then we're going to have, I believe, the group of five is going to automatically put one
2: in. Highest ranked. The highest ranked group of five, I believe. Yeah,
0: so that that gets you into six. And then I think the other six are at large bids. So yeah, if Purdue or LSU were to knock off um Michigan or, or Georgia this weekend, you know, they'd get in and then quote unquote bump someone. Kind of kind of like the conference tournaments in, in basketball where, you know, somebody you know from a mid major wins the conference tournament and you know that that team that's definitely in the, the dance is gonna gonna bump somebody else, you know, the Eleventh team from the SEC or something like that. So, yeah, we could see that kind of stuff happening, but it's definitely going to be interesting. I mean, you know, you and I go back to where the people voted on the national champion, and you know, now we've come to this. So, it's going to be interesting to watch.
2: I'm in favor of the I'm in favor of the playoffs. I like more teams. I think it's more competitive and better. But how? And I don't even mind too much how we're going to get there. But now the conference champions, you know, Wolverines would you even try hard like you might even be better letting a team like Purdue in the tournament just to dumb down the tournament a little bit and not let one of the better quality teams get left out you know what I mean so uh so could be some gamesmanship and some sportsmanship here um all right so before we get out of here uh first I need a play you and I agreed on Troy so we're gonna lay the eight and a half on Troy I need your your play of the weekend
0: well, unfortunately, we also agreed on uh, on the Wolverines, so no, okay. um, we'll I, I would I would think that those would be my two that that you, that that you take. I mean, I'm taking underdogs against teams that are in the tournament right now uh, on the other two, uh, maybe a little bit of a stretch, uh, maybe a little bit of a wish to see the you know, chaos that would ensue. Uh, but I'd, I'd say my take Troy, put Michigan and then pull one of yours on there.
2: Uh, I, I, you know what? I'm, I'm in favor of chaos. I just think the, uh, the better teams actually win this team. Listen, I think USC gets revenge, gets the best of Utah. So I'm going to put USC in there, put them with Troy and that team up North. This is it. It's over. It feels like we just started this thing a couple weeks ago, but it's over. Any final thoughts, Chubby Zebra? No,
0: I really, you know, I. After five weeks, I wanted it to be over, but <laughs> now I don't want it to be over. So, uh, you know, I. After this weekend, we're gonna have to start look get the bowl matchups out, start looking at those, see what we think of of those. I think they get started, you know, as early as the mid December these days. So, I don't know when we'll talk again, but uh, we'll have to get together and come up with some some solid bowl plays.
2: Uh, We most definitely will. I'm checking it out here. The first bowl games are Friday, December 16th. So just only two weeks away. All right. Well, that will do it for this week's episode of The Zoo. We're hanging out on Facebook. We're on Twitter. But mostly, it's the book club. You guys can get in there and shoot the shit with us. Call us out by name. We'll holler right back. Most importantly... Let us know what you guys did last weekend, what you're doing this week, and when it's all said and done, kids, it's all. Make some money, fools.
1: Information on this podcast may not be construed to offer any kind of investment advice or recommendations. Under no circumstances will the owners, operators, or guests of this podcast be held responsible for damages related to its contents.